0: A man in a high-vis worker jacket is walking towards a car. In the background are the tall chimneys of a power station and a large industrial building with the word Hazelwood spelt across it in red neon letters. When the man gets to his car, he swaps his duffel bag for a guitar and then he starts to play.
1: Okay, my name's uh, Danny Boothman. Um, I live at uh, Hazelwood North in Victoria. I'm an ex-power station worker.
0: Danny worked at Hazelwood, a coal-fired power station in Victoria, for 29 years before it closed down in 2016. He wrote this song as a farewell
2: survives and is kept alive By the holes we dig in the ground But the time has come to say goodbye After more than a 50-year run
0: Moving away from coal-generated energy seems like an obvious choice if we're planning to use this planet more sustainably. But in the shift to renewable energy, there are both winners and losers. This episode is all about the people getting left behind in the transition. You're listening to Think Sustainability, I'm Nina Kopel.
2: Let's all have a drink to Hazelwood. Lift your glasses high. Let's all have a drink to Hazelwood. It's sad to watch owes. Your-
0: Do you remember the moment you found out that Hazelwood was closing?
1: Yeah, the, the decision was made overnight.
0: This was the 3rd of November, 2016.
1: I think about two in the morning uh, our time over in France.
0: Hazelwood's operator was the French electricity company Engie.
1: And uh, I'd put on the news about quarter to six and uh, that's where I heard it.
3: Victorian workers will be out of a job when energy plant Hazelwood shuts its doors in March.
0: So how did you feel going into work?
1: I was sort of in a state of shock and and uh, you talked to all the other guys, they were basically the same. We all sort of went, what's going on, you know, look, they're going to close. Well, what are we going to do, you know?
0: The announcement hadn't been officially made at the plant, but word had gotten around.
1: Everyone knew, I mean, our, our shift managers came in and, and they were at a loss as well, because they heard it basically the same as what we did.
0: But then everyone got summoned into a meeting.
1: The fellow who's in charge of NG in Australia was going to come in and make an announcement at 10 o'clock, and we all, by then, basically all of us knew what it was going to be.
0: Danny couldn't go to the meeting. Some people had to stay on the job to look after the plant.
1: But uh, a few of the guys said, he just went through his thing, said, you know, thanks for your service and everything else. The place will be closing in five months and and see you later. Basically, he was in and out and gone before people even had a chance to really absorb it. So, um, yeah, that was was sort of the state of the day. It was sort of uh, almost a numbness, I think, went round the place, you know.
0: When the plant closed, 500 staff and 300 contractors lost their jobs. And this has taken its toll on the community.
4: That area has become a really difficult place.
0: This is Peter Sheldon from the School of Business at the University of New South Wales.
4: It has now some of the worst unemployment in in Australia for regional area. It has terrible levels of mental health problems it has terrible problems with family breakdown and dysfunction it has real problems with an ever larger number of young people involved in the justice system and not as solicitors and all the sorts of areas of dysfunction that we'd expect when an area loses a sense of hope for the future and where too little has been done to plan ahead
0: When the news broke about Hazelwood closing, there was concern in the media about the social impact this would have on the local community.
4: Our thoughts today with the tough times for the for the men and women who work at Hazelwood and of course. But these
0: worries shed airtime with concern about national energy prices. Victorians, Hazelwood provides almost a quarter of the state's power, so there will be an increase of anywhere between four and eight percent to household bills. And of course, environmental activists. When Hazelwood closed, it was Australia's dirtiest power station and one of the most polluting power stations in the world. So it's no surprise that some celebrated its closure. This is Think Sustainability. I'm Nina Kopel.
3: Australia needs to have a a long term energy plan in order to phase out fossil fuels and phase in renewables.
0: This is Dr. Sven Teska.
3: I'm a research director from the Institute for Sustainable Futures at UTS.
0: And Sven is part of a team that recently released the One Earth Climate Model, a plan to move towards 100% renewable energy by 2050.
3: We're not saying, even with this very ambitious study, that we have to close down the coal industry tomorrow. That's not possible. Uh, we need 10, 15, 20 years, depending on the country, sometimes even longer. And therefore, we need a long-term policy framework and not changing it like Australia does every 12 months. So you actually need a long-term commitment.
0: And Sven says part of this commitment should be planning how to help people who work in unsustainable industries transition into the renewable energy sector.
3: So the majority, more than 90% of the skills are one-to-one required for uh, the renewable industry as well. So we don't just need engineers, uh, we need technicians, we need even finance people and everything.
0: But there are still people who could get left behind.
3: And um, this is the hard truth. In all transitions, there are winners and losers. However, if we have a specific plan to organize a transition as fair as possible, then I think we can very very much minimise that risk that we produce uh, many losers.
4: It's, a, it's an ethical question.
0: This is Peter Sheldon again from UNSW.
4: That we don't do this at the expense of people whose only sin has been to provide us with power, you know, reliable, cheap energy for the last 100 years.
0: And so ethically, this becomes a question about not leaving communities behind but Peter says it's a political issue too.
4: And only recently we saw reports that, for example, Bob Katter is trying to expand his reach through selecting for his party candidates from within the coal mining union, the CFMEU Mining and Energy Division, who are pro-Adani, for example, who support the development of the mine by Adani in central Queensland. In the Galilee Basin. He and others, whether it's Pauline Hansen, are seeking opportunistically to take advantage of this level of uncertainty, the fear of very troubled economic futures in those communities.
0: Communities that have been alienated by mainstream politics, or communities who can't see a future for themselves in a world run by renewable energy.
4: And in a parliament that is often dominated by minor parties and independents in the in the senate having more and more candidates who deny climate change or uh, fight for the retention of coal-fired power stations the opening of new mines coal mines apparently on principle is a, a very serious threat to the ability for any party who wishes to develop a coherent and advanced climate change policy to get their policies through into law.
0: But this is where it gets even more complicated, because this isn't just an ethical issue or a political issue. It's an economic issue as well.
4: The whole point of, of a just transition is to plan it for the future, to accept that this is going to happen.
0: Peter says the shift away from coal-powered energy is inevitable.
4: The question is, Do we just let it happen and respond reactively afterwards, or do we admit it's going to happen and plan to make the best of it? Because if we plan for it in a way that Liddell has, well, AGL has for Liddell.
0: The plant in Liddell is set to be retired in 2022 by its operator, AGL, but the company already has a plan in action.
4: And we have plans for that site so that people aren't going to lose their jobs. We have plans to replace coal-fired energy there with a mixture of gas-fired electricity, wind power, solar power and an amplific- they're also amplifying their nearby power station at Bayswater. Then people can see a future.
0: This planning and forward thinking gives people the security to know they have a future in their community.
4: And that looks like a just transition from what we can see.
0: But that example of Liddell... That's just one company making plans for one power station in one community.
4: And if we leave it to companies as individual companies, just as many will do the unjust thing, or in fact, our experience is that most companies don't do the just thing. What they do is they make the decision at the last moment or they announce the decision at the most last moment.
0: Just like NG did with the Hazelwood plant in the Latrobe Valley.
4: And that just leaves the local workforce and the local community essentially as playthings for market forces.
0: I asked Danny, former employee at Hazelwood, if he thought the closure process was a just and fair transition. And he said no.
1: Just because of the, um, uh, the time frame involved.
0: But it's not just the plant's closure that he feels has been damaging to the local community.
1: We we went through a uh, large privatisation in in the 90s and um, really the, the place was struggling to recover from that.
0: This is Think Sustainability. I'm Nina Kopel. According to the CFMEU, the Mining and Energy Union, 7,500 direct jobs were lost as a result of this privatisation.
1: That had probably more of an impact on the community than even the closure of Hazelwood.
0: But to consider the privatisation of Hazelwood and its subsequent closure as two unique and separate events would be to ignore a key feature in the way our economy operates.
5: So the Latrobe Valley community has endured, has experienced the ravages of a, of a poorly planned, in fact, a, a, a transition without any planning, and continues today to suffer from the implications of, of that change.
0: This is Dan Mossill. And he says the privatisation of the power plant in Latrobe Valley has left its mark on the community.
5: There are still empty shop fronts all through Morwell.
0: Morwell is a town in the Latrobe Valley.
5: There is still really high entrenched intergenerational disadvantage. So people are very um, bitter towards that experience and also then very wary about future economic change because they don't want to see a repeat of... That really disruptive and, and socially traumatic industrial restructure that happened when the industry was privatised. So, that, that makes conversations about change in the Valley extra difficult, and it makes people extra sceptical about any talk about changing power sources or moving away from coal.
0: But Dan is the secretary of an organisation trying to change the way people see renewable energy in this area. The group is called Earthworker, and it runs on a cooperative model
5: cooperatives function on the democratic principle of one member one vote so everyone gets an equal say regardless of who they are or how much money they got or if they've how many shares in the business they've got
0: and earthworker's goal is to bridge the historical gap between union movements looking out for workers employed on coal power plants and the environmental movement
5: so earthworker started as a way to bring those different movements of people together and find really practical ways through this really, again, sort of false but pervasive divide between jobs or the economy and the environment. This false idea that we have to choose between the two.
0: In the Latrobe Valley, they're trying to do this through solar hot water systems, which they're manufacturing locally.
5: The factory in Morwell is now selling solar hot water products, which is really exciting.
0: And they're doing this with a pretty different focus to the corporates running our energy generation plants.
5: Earthworker Worker Project is not for profit. The aim is not to, to create and siphon off huge amounts of wealth like a traditional business does, but in line with the cooperative model and the principles of, of cooperativism, the idea is to meet social and economic need.
0: And they see one of those needs as a need for empowering employment.
5: We've got a great bunch of, although small, a great bunch of worker members at the factory at the moment.
0: They're just starting out with about six workers.
5: A few who have lived in the valley all their lives, worked in, in different range, uh, different professions and in different industries and now are really enjoying the experience of collectively owning and running a business together, one that has a really clear environmental focus but one in which they're empowered to make decisions and have their voice heard about issues like workplace health and safety, about hours of work, about conditions. The experience of being a worker owner is is quite different from being... Uh, someone who rocks up to work and leaves their democratic right at the door when they, when they come through the workplace door. And, and there are great, obviously great benefits of that, but there's also challenges too. You know? Be, being a worker and a boss together brings its own challenges uh, and extra responsibilities that people have to grapple with as well.
0: For people in the Latrobe Valley, this is an opportunity to take back a sense of ownership in their working lives.
5: La Trobe Valley, through the experience of privatization and through the recent closure of Hazelwood, has experienced firsthand the challenges that the issues of large corporate control over sections of our economy and our lives. Hazelwood Power Station was closed with five months notice by the bosses without any time for workers or the community to adequately plan or prepare.
0: But this model also challenges our economic system as a whole.
5: So Earthworker sees this as an opportunity to transform and democratise our economy, not just see the transition of one energy source or one form of industry to another, but as an opportunity to help take back control over our economy as we think we deserve and really if we're going to deal with big issues like climate change and economic justice, we we need to.
0: Dan says that while this initiative is potentially transformative, it isn't enough to ensure the workers who are currently at coal-fired energy plants can experience a just transition.
5: I think the, the role for government is clear and unavoidable. In the case of the Latrobe Valley, governments at all levels and of all stripes have, have sat on their hands and let the, the transition and the inevitable closure of power stations become something to be fearful of and something that, that poses a real threat to, to regions like the Latrobe Valley. If there had been some semblance of forward thinking, of leadership, we wouldn't be facing such a situation.
0: When Hazelwood shut down, there were a number of government strategies announced to address the community impact. The federal government pledged $43 million to boost local industry and diversify the economy. The state government gave another $22 million for training and back-to-work programs.
1: We had a pool of money for re-education or whatever that we could do. So I, I used that to do a um, certificate of sound production at RMIT in Melbourne.
0: This is Danny from before. He worked at the Hazelwood Power Station for 29 years.
1: I thought, well, if I'm going to change, I'll get into something that I, I really love. And, and yeah, that's, that was my reasoning behind it.
0: Since Danny qualified, he's been getting some casual work on shows with La Trobe City Council and a local art centre.
1: Sometimes it can be two or three days a week, or sometimes it might be two weeks and I, and I don't get anything. It just depends on what's going on with, with the centre at the time. So it's, um, it's enough to keep me going, because I'm nearly 57 now. And my missus also, uh, she's a bit older than me, so she gets a pension at the moment. So we, we have enough to live on and everything quite well, but uh, it's, it's nowhere near like going back into uh, to full-time work like I was before.
0: This money Danny received for re-education was part of the government's attempt to help people transition after the plant was closed down. But Peter from UNSW says that waiting until the plant is already closing means it's often too late.
4: So after the closure they will come in and they will try to bail out the community to some extent because they're often in marginal seats. And they will pump some money in in a very reactive, uh, ad hoc sort of way, a bit of skilling, a bit of this, a bit of job creation, a bit of that, and essentially doesn't change a situation which is already becoming depressed. It just lightens it a bit.
0: Peter says this money the government is spending on bailouts. This gets seen as an expense.
4: If on the other hand we move to a just transition, planning ahead, thinking ahead, coordinating, taking away from single owners of power stations, taking away from those corporations, or government departments if they're state-owned the power to choose when to when to close the stations but making it part of a coordinated program then you can see the cost as an investment the spending as investment because you can develop a areas can develop a new personality a new economic and social identity that trans- transforms them and lifts them up
0: At the end of last year, The Federal Australian Labor Party announced a plan to establish a Just Transition Authority if they win the next election. This authority would require large generators to provide at least three years' notice of their intention to close. They've also committed $10 million to a clean energy training fund to train workers in clean energy industries. Peter says this is reassuring, but doesn't guarantee anything.
4: We don't know whether Labor will win. We don't know if they win, how committed they will be to doing things early. It may be that this is not the first thing on their mind. If Labor wins and they are committed to doing it early, we don't know what the profile of the Senate will look like and how easy it will be for them to carry this through.
3: The
0: Coalition hasn't committed to a just transition policy if they win the next election although a report made by a Senate committee in 2017 did recommend
4: one. So who knows what the coalition will come up with if they win the election.
0: In the Latrobe Valley area, there are still two operating power plants which are set to close in the next 10 to 30 years, Loyang and Yalorn. But last year, when the Victorian government renegotiated both plants' leases... They set the condition that the operating companies provide five years' notice of their closures. While this doesn't help those who've already been impacted by the closure of Hazelwood, Danny is still hopeful about the future of his community.
1: There's a, there's a bit of groundwork being done at the moment with little, little bits, pockets of industries and bits and pieces, and hopefully that will continue. It's a great place to, to live and, and grow up or whatever else around here. And uh, it would be a shame to see it all fall apart. Renewable energy is is going to be the way uh, that it's going to go whether people agree with it or not. It's just just what's going to happen. So yeah, we need to um, make make the most of the skill set and, and the equipment that we have here and, and transition on to um, a better and brighter future hopefully. <laughs>
2: Let's all have a drink to Hazelwood It's sad to watch your girl die Let's all have a drink to Hazelwood Lift your glasses high Let's all have a drink to Hazelwood It's sad to watch you girl Think
0: Sustainability is made possible with the support of the University of Technology Sydney, 2SCR Radio in Sydney, and heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. This show is made in the studios of 2SCR, which sit on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose people's sovereignty was never ceded. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I'm Nina Kopel. Thanks for
2: listening.